0: Educators want to stay fresh with literacy instruction, but are so busy with students, they don't always have the time. All year long, Choice Literacy publishes and delivers the best K-12 literacy practices so that educators can grow their students as readers and writers with choice in literacy. Welcome to the Big Fresh Choice Literacy Podcast. I'm Ruth Ayers an elixir for writers. You can't edit a blank page, Nora Roberts. Giving space to talk is one of the secret weapons of teachers of writers. I used to believe that writers needed silence. The silence was loud in my classroom and truth be told, it was uncomfortable. Writing was painful for everyone in those days I was worried that if I offered time to talk, students wouldn't be on task and time would be wasted. I worried about a lot of silly things when I first started teaching. So day after day, silence weighed heavy in our classroom, bogging down fingers and stunting the words moving to the page. If kids aren't writing, then it is difficult to teach writers. Something needed to be done to loosen the words on the page. There are a lot of gimmicks that promise to do this. They are tempting in their guarantees to get kids to write and provide teachers with stuff for students to do. Yet, I wasn't convinced my students needed more busy work. They needed to write. The more I investigated how writers work, the more I realized that most writers talk about writing. They might not verbalize every single plot twist, but most writers have a buddy or two to talk about their ideas and figure out the snags. In a prepackaged world, it may feel counterintuitive to simply give space for students to talk as writers. You don't need a fancy slide with bulleted questions or a cute worksheet to record questions and responses. All that is needed is a routine designed to get students talking as writers. Talk is an elixir for writers. If writers have a few moments to chat, then the words slide more easily onto the page when given the time to write. It's simple, but true. This week's collection of articles encourages us to engage in this simple practice of giving time to talk. Hey, and Tara, I'm happy that you're joining us for the podcast this week. Um, you selected The Proudest Blue as our Choice Literacy Book Club pick for the month of March. And I'm really excited that we're offering a playlist to go along with the book. Yeah, that was a
1: really fun idea that Christy helped create. Yeah, I really like the idea of the playlist too. I've been doing that... Um, with my kids in school for their independent books. And a lot of them love doing that choice. Um, when they're when they're doing some kind of t- writing and talking about their books, they do the same thing. So I thought that was a really fun idea to do for do for the proudest blue and fun to do for a picture book.
0: It was it, it at first, like, seemed like a pretty big challenge, you know, for a picture book to put that together. And just as I've listened to it a few times now, I can just really see a lot of different ways to use that in a classroom and then how that'll help kids, you know, just um, kind of widen their thinking uh, about what the theme could be and what the book really means. I just, I'm so excited to offer it. So thanks for helping put that together.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I really like that too. I hadn't, um, hadn't really even thought about how I would use it in the classroom. I was just thinking about how I enjoyed it. But that would be great to show kids how we make these connections between different texts.
0: So this week we are talking about kids um, and just like the mental rehearsal that they do. And so in the free for all, we've got a a collection of articles and it begins, I was excited to share this one from Dana Murphy. It's actually a Leaders Lounge article and Dana is talking about about using transcription in her coaching work.
2: I loved how she framed it as a pre and like post assessment for teachers in a coaching cycle to capture how they've grown in whatever the area, you know, the goal they had set for themselves in the coaching cycle. And I thought that was such a tangible way for teachers to be able to compare, like sort of like how you have an on-demand beginning and end right? And Mm -hmm. when you put them side by side, the growth is so clear I could imagine for teachers, like seeing the transcript side by side for whatever their focus was, would
1: show their growth so clearly. Um, the way she described it too, like, I, I think Kate, you were calling it like reflective questioning to debrief with the teacher, just as a teacher in the classroom. That to me seems so helpful to make, to make a teacher, like I would feel so comfortable with that process of someone like reflecting with me, like sitting kind of side by side and saying, you know, like let's just see that these are the words it's 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 not subjective this is all objective what's here and then Mm -hmm. coming to kind of conclusions together Mm -hmm. you know not being told like here's what I saw right and her her list of possibilities like of things that you might transcribe right she
2: said it could be if teachers are working on their questioning or oral feedback to students their mini lesson or student talk I thought those were really helpful Examples too, if a coach is interested in trying it, of things that they they might consider
1: creating a transcript mm-hmm. for. Kate, is that something that you do or something that you? I haven't, but i actually, right, a teacher, a kindergarten
2: teacher has had me in a few times um, this week. This week is how <laughs> long? This week to um, listen to the talk of her kindergartners during read aloud. And I've been like just keeping notes like I had made a chart to like track it. And after I read Dana's article, I was like, oh, I wish I had just gone in and typed it. So I was thinking maybe I'd ask the teacher if we could do that instead because it might capture it better. Mm
0: -hmm. I I love that, Kate. I just love the way, you know, one idea can lead to another, another idea. And I thought in Dana's article, the way she like just shared some parts of her transcription was super helpful too, to be able then just to go and do it you guys do this in your article too. I'm so impressed over and over how often you're showing examples straight from the classroom, whether that's kid work or photos or charts. And you have an article in the free for all section called Supporting Talk Around Writer's Craft. Um, I, I love the way that you set this article up because I think it it just empowers everybody to be able to, to do this in their corner of the room and it just supports kids um, in their thinking and in their growth as writers.
2: Yeah, I feel like as a classroom teacher that like talking about details would make me like a little twitchy. Like <laughs> somebody would be like, add details to your writing, it never felt like it knew, everybody knew that was something that they were supposed to do but weren't quite sure like what that meant. And so Tara and I, like realize you know like to be more specific about it is what will help our writers more and like we basically didn't even use that word details like instead talked about the types of craft news that writers use instead and it like made it so much more concrete for them
1: right it made it so much more concrete for us too to give right. to give feedback when we are conferencing like to be able to look at writing and say kind of say like This is what the the kind of detail or the kind of craft move that we're seeing a lot, and here's what we're not seeing, so that we could coach kids towards that. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, when I was kind of rereading this because this article we had written a little while ago, but still is so relevant. But I'm in the middle of an informational um, reading and writing unit, and was thinking about you know I was adjusting my chart to make it more like that, but but the kinds of details that we use in informational writing, like how we Mm -hmm. use examples and comparisons and things like that. So just changing it for a different genre.
0: Yeah, informational Great. quotes from experts or tables and graphs. I think that it's one mm-hmm. of the most powerful things for teachers of writers to learn is that when we can name kinds of details, I mean, it's just like it's like Miracle Grow on kid writing. Mm-hmm. Suddenly they know exactly what to do, and um, mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly agree with you. When we say add detail, they just add more, right? And then we end up with this bed yeah. to bed or a week long <laughs> story uh, that never really gets right. right? right. The other article in the free for all section is one from Stella Vialba, And it's, she actually, the title is, are your writers talking during writing workshop? Mm. And she mm-hmm. makes this case for how important it is that kids have time to talk.
2: Right, I, so I was talking about this with a another kindergarten teacher recently. And, you know, she was reflecting on, like whether or not the talk in the room was productive talk or like tied to writing. And I almost like, I feel like, especially right now, like the the youngest of our kids, right? Like post-COVID have like not had those experiences talking. And it almost feels like even if the talk is off topic, it feels even important to let it go or like find a way to like somehow work it into then like the task at hand. Um, so I was really excited about this article and there's one other, right, that was about talk and writing up too, and, mm-hmm. and, like, making space for it, and even, like, the, one of the quotes from Stella's article, right, she said that she realized, like, there were several other words that never, that rarely came to mind: conversations, dialogue, voices, negotiation. And she was thinking about her writing workshop, and she mm-hmm. wondered if she was hearing enough of my students' voices during the workshop. Or were my young writers working in isolation, or did they have support from other writers? And and thinking like, real writers, most of them have somebody at some point in the writing process, right? That they turn to, whether it's for feedback or support or or whatever. And so making sure that we're intentionally
1: making space for that in our writing workshop, I think is so important. That's so true. Because if we just think of ourselves as writers, it's so hard if you're in writing in isolation to know if you're going in the right direction. Like, I know that when we have our groups where we meet, that's what's most helpful to me, because it's so easy to doubt yourself about writing and right. just think like, I, you know, like, who would really want to read this? <laughs> like, that's kind of all it's my question. Is this worth it? And I guess kids kids have the same question.
2: Right. And I also love that she sort of framed like types of talk that could happen and, and how that would be directly related to their work and writing workshop. So like they can make oral plans and and this is something that, you know, Ruth, I actually I've used, we used in fourth grade, Mm -hmm. um, your plan boxes from your day by day book. And It was like such a game changer for us, like for kids to name, to write explicit plans. And obviously like fourth graders are able to do that um, more fluently, you know, just like the task of writing the plan boxes down. But in primary grades, I've had a lot of success as a coach suggesting oral plan boxes or oral plans to teachers Mm. and and starting with just like the first thing I'm going to do, but like naming it explicitly to your partner before you leave the carpet and then like building over time to say like two or three things. And just like we would do, like using having kids like refer to the charts as they were making plans. So they see those as tools, but I love the idea of oral plans because I think it's something that any writer at any like grade level, can do, and would really support their work um, in writing workshop.
0: And when we name something, it just makes it more likely that we're going to go do it. And so I think
2: mm-hmm. it's a big yeah. practice,
0: you know, for yeah, writers. Makes- but then also a good practice to like it's something they can do over and over and over, right? I think like that's one of the kind of litmus tests that I have with kids is I, I ask myself a lot is this something they can do again and again? And that is just one of those things that if we name it, it's it's almost setting it in motion, um, even mm-hmm. before we get back to, you know, being able to put those words on the page.
2: Right. The other thing I was thinking about Stella's article, and she says like the types of talk rates, right? she says like oral plans, giving feedback to the writer or collaborating. And I feel like even like presenting those three like possibilities and like they're not the only possibilities right but to teachers and saying like which of these you feel like comfortable with which might be something that you would want to try next I feel like the collaborating is like sometimes like I think feedback feels comfortable like we give each other compliments or suggestions or whatever but Mm -hmm. um like really collaborating like there's so
1: much teaching into that that you could do with kids yeah that is an interesting one and that I think think could be so helpful right if Mm -hmm. if People had models on how to do that, and mm-hmm. and the space to do it, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, I think so often too. I know, like one of my worries early on was, and it's it comes up, it bubbles up throughout several of the articles. But it's this idea of our kids going to be on task, and mm-hmm. um, it's one of mm-hmm. those things, you know, like we have to give the space for talk, and then and then trust that kids are going to fill that with things that really move them forward as writers. Which is what Julie's article, um, she has a new article about the importance of talk in writing workshop. And I so appreciated this section. Um, I think it was near the end where she just talks about trusting students to be writers. Because it, it really is, it, it just, if we don't trust kids to be writers, then it makes, it makes writing workshop a little bit more clunky um, to get through.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think Julie, right? Is that when she talks about, like, you know, when even when things seem off task, does, does she mention that? Like even yeah. when the, the talk seems like it's off task, like they're still talking, they're get, gathering new understandings about things, things that can help their writing, but it is hard. It's hard to let that control go and be like, where is this headed? You know you No, know I'm saying? And I think that just, just reading that and hearing that other people have that, that experience is just helpful for, for me. Right. And even her tip, like, so when you hear
2: noise right to like first make your first response to just like be curious about it instead of feeling like Mm. you have to squash it Mm -hmm. immediately and then like that thing that you said Ruth of like trusting the writers and and she said like she reminds us that in a conference like it should feel like a conversation like writer to writer um where you're entering it as sort of like you know like talking about like the work as a writer rather than like teacher to student, um, and then trusting that that they want to try it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's so subtle and yet incredibly powerful. Uh, which is the Nanjin Court's article called "Using Whiteboards Before Writers' Notebooks." They're in like a poetry unit, and you know they've done all this prep work, and then they turn kids loose, and kids aren't writing; they're just these blank pages. And um, I thought it was a really interesting technique to then pull out whiteboards and have kids kind of practice those poems while they're still there at the carpet um, there in the meeting area before they they go off and it was just a, a just kind of I thought a different spin on rehearsal where they're still putting words down but they're not really permanent because they're on the whiteboards mm-hmm. and they're talking and and everything as they do that
1: yeah I I agree Ruth I think it was I think that part of the beauty of it was how low stakes it felt for them right like that they're writing on a whiteboard, like you can wipe it away. And that, you know, if you didn't like what you had there and maybe having that feeling they could do that, made it helpful. What I loved is that, that Jen wasn't afraid of that productive struggle. And I know Kate, you were thinking about that too. And I feel like productive struggle, giving that kids that room for that productive struggle can be so hard because we feel like there's so much to be done. And we're like, if this isn't working, like it feels, feels like you just want to abandon it. So I love that she didn't abandon it that she decided like, Hey, you know what? Like, let's look at this and see what what's going wrong here or what's not working. And what can I do? What can we do here? Mm -hmm.
0: So Julie Cox is a high school um, teacher, and she has an article this week about authentic audience.
1: Yeah, I, when I read Julie's article, it just really kind of like, touch base for me, because as I thought about it, I'm like, that's like, so, so important that having an audience for writing. And Kate, I know you remember when in fourth grade, how we used to, um, we used to take kids writing and we had local businesses that would offer some space up to display their writing. And I think it made kids so excited to be able to know like that someone could be out and they could see their writing or they could be out, you know, going, going out to lunch and, and see their writing and showing, showing it to someone. So Mm-hmm. and that so it kind of goes all the you know all the way to high school and i think julie was they made a youtube channel to show show the writing and gave this mm-hmm. audience this audience to kids that they could really relate to um and gave them this purpose and motivation for their writing because because at the end of the day they, they want their writing to affect others and you know what so julie says they don't want to ju- just mm-hmm. do this thing that they're like I I quoted one of the things she said she should school shouldn't be where they're biding their time waiting for their life to begin like this is their life and they want to be writing things that are worthwhile Mm. and meaningful now right and even just the idea right of asking the kids like for their input on how
2: they'd want to share it or colleagues I feel like sometimes the publication part can just be like okay we're, we're just done we're moving on right but like being more mindful and purposeful of it, and and having like that plan from the beginning, so that students know, right, makes sort of their writing feel
1: more important from the beginning rather than like an afterthought at the end of the unit. Yes, yes, definitely. I think that's so important, and like, and it's something that I've done before too, where you've kind of gotten to the end and been like, well, what should we do? We can have a gallery walk, and gallery walks are great, but right. there's so many other things you, that you can do. And I like how Julie started to think about that cross disciplinary collaboration with people to be like. I don't have to have all the ideas. Like, I can talk to the art teacher. I can talk to the social studies teacher. I can ask the kids what they think, you know, people in the community that we really need to, mm-hmm. to branch out and, and see where else we can get, mm-hmm. gain help from.
0: And in Julie's article, she really organizes it around three questions mm-hmm. that teachers can ask in order to find that, that audience that's
1: authentic and genuine. Um, and so I think it's a super helpful article. Oh yeah, I, I will definitely be going back to that article to look at, to remind myself, you know, about, about that authentic audience and, you know, what, what the writing can become.
0: So Susie Kabeck has a new article in the Leaders Lounge called Tapping Novelty for What Teachers Need. Um, and it, it just gave me some pause. She had read a New York Times article about just, um, she has this quote to start the article that begins with, we are nourished by novelty. And um, this focus on like, what do we need right now? And set this article, um, shared with us in this article, just some of the work that she was doing with a group of elementary teachers.
2: Right, I think for sure, teachers would feel like really respected and valued if they had input right for the, she like took the spin of like the what I need time um, that schools sometimes use, like especially for, like targeting interventions and stuff and shifting that like what teachers need time um I think like that would feel good to them right and is something I think that you have to be intentional about because there's always so many things to get to that if it's not like made a priority like it's the thing that's like not going to happen and her article is like a good reminder of the value in it
0: so, Ingo Omandi has a coaching minute that encourages instructional coaches to get to know teachers um, with the purpose of building trust. It's just a real quick clip, but I think it helps anchor some of our coaching work. And then we have an encore video from Heather Fisher that I was completely intrigued by because Heather is planning a lesson with a first grade teacher um, and the The point, the goal of their coaching cycle is to improve classroom talk. And I think it's just a helpful look at how we can work that classroom talk into a coaching cycle. The final article in the Leaders Lounge is about how to support teachers during a standardized testing season. So a lot of us are moving into that season and I thought this was a helpful article.
2: Right, I loved the focus on improvement rather than achievement. And it reminded me of um, like when we would have like the week or two before the state test, Mm -hmm. um, we would end it with a celebration and we would give kids a copy of their writing from September and then a really recent writing piece, which would be in May or end Mm of April. Um, And like, it was always like hugely obvious how much they grew, but it felt good to end like our last day before the test began by reminding them that they already know everything they need to know to do really well. And they've grown so much. And then like having the kids go through, like naming, like, what do you do now as a writer that you didn't used to do or what's easier for you now that used to be really hard. Mm-hmm. Um And so I think like that it's a good reminder that like not just for teachers' sake, right, for it to be focused on improvement rather than achievement of their students,
1: but, like, taking that lens with our kids can be really helpful, too. Yeah, it's such a mindset shift for them and so supportive, right, that they can think that way and something that can be a time that can be so stressful for us and for them.
0: Mm -hmm. Kate, I love how that just kind of comes full circle in our conversation, because at the beginning, you know, where you're talking about naming our plans and, and that oral plan box, and then you're right before you're heading into the state test, naming what we do well as writers, and it's just it's just powerful um, for kids, mm-hmm.
1: right? Mm-hmm. And that they can do that by that point, you know, that they're able to to look at their writing and say, "This is what I'm doing really well, and this is where I've grown." You know they they can they can have the name for the the craft moves that they're that they're using to make themselves better writers.
0: At Choice Literacy, we know that you want to be an educator who makes students' lives better through literacy. In order to do that, you need access to comprehensive literacy practices delivered in a way you will actually use. With over 150 in-the-field contributors, we understand the pressure to reach a variety of needs and not enough time to do it, which is why we hold true to workshop tenets like Choice and share practical ways to plan and deliver literacy instruction straight to the point of student need. You can find links to all of the articles discussed in the show notes or sign up for the Big Fresh so you can have the links delivered directly to your inbox. Keep growing readers and writers by offering choice in literacy.